Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio. You know, I was mentioning a moment or two ago that uh, here in town, Toronto has a team uh, in the Overwatch League, the OWL. So, I mean, how many teams we got now? We got, uh, obviously, the NBA, NHL. You got the FC and the MSL, Argos and the CFL. Now you got the OWL, the OWL. And uh, it's a league for gamers. And they've got some rather impressive team names as well as cities represented here. I guess, you know, uh, the ones you could anticipate, the Philadelphia Fusion, Florida Mayhem, the Paris Eternal. That's in France because they got the the Rooster, uh, part of their logo, Boston Uprising, the Atlanta Rain, R-E-I-G-N, London Spitfire. This is sort of international in flavor. And the Toronto team is called the Defiant. And they're going to call Roy Thompson Hall their home uh, next season. And that was announced earlier today, seating capacity of just over 2,600. And they're anticipating they're going to fill the joint. I mean, this is something eSports is taking off like nobody's business and nobody knows that better than the folks at Durham College, including Sarah Wagg, who is Durham College's eSports Gaming Arena Manager. And she's joined us on the line to really uh, put into perspective this whole phenomenon. Sarah, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here and talk a little bit about what's going on in the eSports industry. Well, that's why we got you here, and I appreciate we're on the same page as far as that's concerned. So uh, you've got an arena set up dedicated specifically to sort of teaching about this whole field at Durham College, do you not? We do. It just opened actually very recently in April, and we're looking to teach not only academically what it looks like to be involved in the industry. It could be things like marketing, business, broadcast, team management, but we're also supporting varsity athletes who want to play competitive video games. We've got about eight teams set up going into the current academic year, over 40 eSport athletes, and these individuals will train, use our eSports arena as their so-called gym, and from there they will participate in tournaments across North America facing off against other post-secondary institutions. Well, don't you have a tournament coming up shortly? We've got one this Saturday for a game called Rocket League, and this one is provincial, so we've invited 13 colleges and universities from across Ontario that have a Rocket League team. They'll be fighting over 7000 in scholarship money. Yeah, and the scholarship money is, as you've just sort of articulated, uh, I guess spread out in various areas of uh, academia because this is an academic pursuit as much as anything. So is eSports then seen today as a very viable career path? It's becoming more and more known as it's gaining more traction and people are starting to notice it's a very growing industry. They start to realize that it's not just competitive video game. You've got the, the marketing, the branding, the business, the broadcast and production that goes behind the events, the event managers. So many different areas are involved within esports, and that's something that we want to teach to our students here at Durham College, whether they're pursuing competitive play or they want to learn something 
business related and we can show them that it ties in very easily to esports in case that's an avenue they want to pursue. How many students right now with just a rough ballpark figure are enrolled? In the, the programs we have currently, they are actually individual programs that we tie in with co-op opportunities for esports. We're also looking to release an esports graduate cert come next year, and that'll have probably about 80 students involved in that. All right, and so again, this is representative of a burgeoning industry and the fact that Toronto has a team, a professional team, in a league that spans, well, beyond North America into Paris and London in Europe uh, tells me that something big is happening as we speak. If my understanding is correct, you've also got a lot of people who have invested very, very big money. They've bankrolled this uh, in anticipation that there would be uh, arena leagues and the stands would be full with spectators. Is that about right? Very much so. With this Overwatch League, the OWL League, it's got a massive arena in each of these cities that you mentioned. So there's going to be one in Paris, one in Florida, and of course we've got one here in Toronto. So with that, they're hoping to do home and away games very similar to traditional sports. They're noticing more and more tie between the esports industry and the traditional sports industry. With that, of course, a lot of the money coming from it is for advertising viewership, very similar to traditional sports. But in the same aspect, you've also got to pay these athletes quite a bit of money to keep them on the team. Seriously, so uh, what kind of money would they make on an annual basis? Oh, these are million-dollar players and on the in the collegiate leagues here, even what we do at Durham College, students can make quite a bit of money. Very recently, there was a Fortnite championship where a 16-year-old walked away with $3 million. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah, that was quite uh, astonishing. The amounts of money now might even be eclipsing, like Mitch Marner and his $10 million, $11 million. <laughs> Pshaw, that's just a chump change maybe in the not-too-distant future. So the Roy Thompson Hall venue being the home for the Toronto Defiant, uh, they're going to have have, I guess, two uh, different home, I get, when they host a, a variety of teams, it's not just one team would come in, but it would almost be tournament-like settings uh, next April and August, as I understand. Yes, in the, the first one that's coming up, the April one, they're looking to do both a Saturday and a Sunday with a total of six games being played over the weekend. The one later in the summertime, it's going to be a little bit shorter. They're looking to do... Um, I believe four for that weekend. But it's going to be all of these teams are coming to Toronto to experience Canadian culture since a lot of these athletes are from different areas of the world, primarily South Korea and Europe, North America. Well, that's interesting. So if you've got a team based in Toronto, is it necessary for all of the uh, team members to be based in Toronto? Or are they recruited from, as you say, all over the world? On the current Toronto Defiant roster, there's only one Canadian member. It's heavily South Korean rostered at this time, and they're currently residing between Toronto as well as California, where they're playing the majority of their tournament league games currently. So how does it work when you recruit a team or put one together? Do you have a draft or do you uh, have transfers as they do in soccer? Uh, How do you go about recruiting a team? When it comes to esports, traditionally these players are headhunted. They're either picked from smaller organizations such as collegiate leagues or their, um, their contract will be up for renewal and they'll be headhunted from another team that they were on previously. So, so Sarah, when it comes to uh, the amounts of money that would be wagered here, and I'm guessing, you know, there's going to be betting on them if there isn't already. I don't know, is Vegas making book on some of these contests? 
Vegas definitely has eSports arenas. They've built very large facilities where you can, even if there's not a team playing, you can go into this facility just to spectate. Really? Which leads to my next question. Roy Thompson Hall is a venue seating 2,600. Meantime, Vancouver's uh, eSports team has apparently the Rogers Arena, which is about 18,000, 19,000, if I recall. A uh, bit of a disparity there, but do you think these venues will be full? I think Toronto will very quickly outgrow the venue that they're looking at for now, but I think it's a beautiful venue to start with. Right. Okay, and so the spectators just sit there and watch these gamers, and typically what games do they play? For the the tournament that we're currently talking about, the Overwatch League, it's one game only that they're playing, which is Overwatch. Oh, I see. Okay, uh, pardon my ignorance. I'm the out-of-the-loop guy when it comes to all of this. Uh, so, uh, But there could be, I guess, conceivably, a number of games. For example, in the tournament you're hosting at Durham College this weekend, uh, would there be only one game or other games being played? We're also focusing on just one game, which is Rocket League. Because it's a collegiate-level tournament, some schools have eight different teams, each team corresponding to a different game. So we try to keep it within a, a one- to two-day tournament. The more games that you add, the more PCs you're going to need, the longer the tournament brackets will run. So we are starting small. We just opened in April. And once we're completed with this one, we're looking to open it up next summer to a variety of games. So you're anticipating this thing is going to grow like Topsy. Uh, just your initial foray, I guess, uh, is this year. And then uh, I guess this will be an annual event or perhaps even more frequent. Very much so. We're hoping by doing events like these, it pushes other colleges and universities to invest more into the esports industry and providing more for their students on campus. Well, it looks like a full-rounded, uh, I guess, uh, when I look at the list of colleges and universities involved here, pretty much uh, most of Ontario's colleges and universities are represented in this uh, this league, isn't it? We've got 13 different ones for sure. There's a couple schools that are a little bit farther away and they decided to tap out for this first one, Mm. but they have been participating in our online league that we've been running since May. So some of the schools who aren't physically able to come out to the live finals have still been participating online on a weekly basis. I see. All right. And by the way, you know, uh, there have been reports, I mean, that gaming may have some detrimental effects. Uh, The... Uh, World Health Organization, I guess, came out with these findings not too long ago. Uh, How do you respond to those concerns, let's say even a stigma attached to it, you know, if parents have concerns or otherwise? uh, What do you say in response? I think traditionally video games and esports have been very heavily stigmatized as an antisocial, keeping to yourself in your mom's basement sort of genre and that's not quite what it is at all. I've seen quite a few people even in the Durham College esports industry they come in on their own but they're leaving with a group of friends. They're able to socialize, meet other people here. A lot of students use the arena as study space to improve their academics and learn from the other individuals who like the same hobbies that they do. As for the the gaming disorder, I believe it was was called when it did come out, anything could be considered to be addictive if you're doing too much of it. I think there's a healthy level for everything. A lot of these professional gamers are putting in six hours a day to be able to keep on the competitive edge, whereas people like us could be putting in nine to five similar hours for our regular jobs. So everything in in contrast, I believe. Yeah, I guess, you know, just as uh, athletes, hockey players, basketball players and that would go to the gym or uh, go to their practice facility. So you're saying this would be similar to that. As to uh, whether or not these gamers are athletes, care to proffer an opinion? And I believe it's healthy for parents to be concerned as well, especially because 
esports is so accessible. A lot of these professional athletes are being picked straight out of high school. Mm. So if they're skipping over that collegiate level, I can understand parents being a little bit worried, which is why we're so passionate about the collegiate scene where individuals can not only pursue esports competitively or as a job, but also be gaining an education while they're doing it. It tends to help the parents breathe a little bit more. No, I understand. My question, though, was uh, do you consider these gamers athletes? Esports, I believe they are athletes. It takes a high reflective energy. It takes a lot of studying. It takes a lot of skill. It's not something anybody can do. So that's why I believe this is a, a skill and a sport. Interesting. Well, you know, you've uh, clarified a lot of points. It's just a fascinating uh, world to me, and I'm sure many of the listeners as well. Thanks for bringing us up to date. And uh, as to Durham's participation, you got a big tournament this week, uh, and you've got the gaming arena, of which you're the manager. Uh, really a pleasure to talk to you and fill us in. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you very much. All right. Sarah Wagg, again, is Durham College's eSports Gaming Arena Manager. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.